You are now checked in to Stand Up New York Labs. Oh, yeah. We know nothing. 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 So give us a call. We'll give it our all. Because if there's one thing we know, it's how to pick up the phone. We know nothing, but we'll try. Hey, welcome to We Know Nothing. Hey, everybody. My laryngitis seems to be healing up nicely yeah, since the last right. podcast, which we recorded four minutes ago. Um, hi, I'm Anya Marina, and I'm joined here by the lovely and talented Phil, uh, Phil Hanley. Hey. Good to see you, my brother. And um, to my right, someone who uh, I look up to, even though I'm not in the comedy scene, who I met years and years ago doing, uh, we'll get into that later, but um, one of the funniest human beings I think that I've ever seen on stage and off. Very attractive, growing a beard in salt and pepper at this time, Mr. David Tell. Are you finished? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for having me in on the um, on the podcast, guys. I was watching your special with my dad a couple months ago, and he was like, "Do you date anybody? Why don't you date somebody? Look at this guy. This guy's funny." And yeah, I don't, right. I swear There's no to way a dad ever, I swear to God. And I was like, dad is he? <laughs> and, but I don't think he knew that, that it was even possible that I knew you. And then like we had paused it because we went we went out to dinner. And then the next night he goes, let's go finish that um, that comedy show that we were watching. And I was like, OK. And then I go, Pop, I never told you that I actually just, you know, that I know I know Dave Attell and we shared a cab home the other day. And he was like porn guy <laughs> yes <laughs> you know you porn guy. <laughs> i like that i take that as a compliment so if I, if ever you should attend a family dinner or anything they will refer, refer to you as a porn, it's a porn guy. guy i like it <laughs> you know i can i just say this that uh you know first of all uh i one day hope to have a daughter and i'd love for her to be as talented and beautiful and strong and all the other great things that as you but i never could fantasize about watching filthy, dirty, old hack comedy <laughs> guys with my daughter. I always feel it'll be like, you know, we'll be uh, hiking. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll see her on a carousel or something like that. I'll, yeah. I'll be, you know, taking pictures of her or something like that. But never watching actually any, maybe Frozen. Frozen 39 by that point or something. Well, you have to picture her like in her 30s. I couldn't watch comedy with, my dad's a huge comedy fan. And I couldn't imagine watching... Uh, a comedy special with my dad. Yeah, I, I think it should be no, maybe a cousin. My dad took <laughs> us to the vagina monologues once, and I was sitting between him and my at the time ninety-eight year old grandmother, and I wow, really wow. wanted to die. Yeah, what kind of family is this? Did you <laughs> fucked up? Oh well, there you go. Did San your Francisco. grandma enjoy the vagina monologues? She was horrified. She was super waspy and um, so conservative, and my parents are very like hippie-ish. And, yeah, you know, spent a lot of my childhood walking around naked. In your, um, in what what part of San Francisco? Uh, in Cupertino, actually, the South Bay. Oh, yeah. So I didn't even remember that until my junior high friends were like, you know, your mom was constantly naked. Really, really, in junior high. Wow. And they were like, yeah, your dad too. I don't remember that. I guess I was desensitized. That's uh, uh yeah, I've never seen. I don't know From if all I've the ever. From incest. <laughs> <laughs> it's called numb. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little numb. No, my, that's my dad's favorite thing to do, though. He comes to New York to visit and goes, take me to the comedy cellar. Really? Yeah, we watch a lot of comedy together. It does get, I mean, some, it was, I got to say, your show that we were watching was like very raw. And so there were certain parts I would like walk out of the room and make a cup of chamomile tea, like during the anal. Oh, it was right. like an anal chapter. There you go. It's, um, uh, I but wouldn't have connected that T to that that <laughs> actual sexual thing, but you know Phil is a good comic, and uh, you know actually I'd say Phil is probably one of the best writing comics that is working at the cellar right now, and uh, he would be a good hit for your dad. Oh, thanks, yeah, yeah, wow, Dave, thank I you. I think my yeah, it was good. Um, it's true, you're a great writer, Phil. Oh, thank you. In spite of the dyslexia, I'm fantastic very writer. Oh, that's nice. Thank you. Does it? Does it? Uh, so dyslexia is your thing? Is that what it is? Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, because it sucks having the having the disorder that is no longer like hip. Like yeah. now it's Asperger's. Like yeah. it really doesn't. Don't you feel like kind of left out? <laughs> it's gonna be like a samurai in the age of gunpowder. It's like yeah, a I didn't know. Too was, late. was dyslexia the thing at one point? Was it? Hip oh yeah, <laughs> really? Yeah, I, I remember all these people like, I'm sorry, I'm late, and you know, I burned your house. I'm dyslexic. <laughs> I didn't know, and we're like, oh wow. 
Yeah, that was like a big thing for a while. Like when Tom Cruise right. said he was dyslexic, then it became like, wow. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I, uh, yeah, no, uh, people always say that. People will say, well, I'm dyslexic or whatever, but they've like graduated university and all these things would be completely impossible for me to to do yeah but we don't know what that is you're canadian so university what's that like <laughs> double high school because they you know this right I, I mean i saw you were like freedom school right did you like did you even go to school i did i did where I, in, i'm scared San to tell Pedro. You. what was it again peter P- like peter peter school freedom. did you go to like an american indian came over and just told you things like what happened i went to a one-room schoolhouse Oh, really? Until I was is, that, is that true? <laughs> yeah, in the mountains. Really? I wore the same thing every day. It was really embarrassing. I couldn't. Mucklucks? No, like the, <laughs> my dad would dress me in a striped shirt and then barrettes, and then that was until sixth grade. And then I went to a normal junior high down the hill, down in the valley, uh-huh. which was like 2,000 kids, and I was used to 30 kids. Yeah. And I still feel like the reason I'm so strange is because of this one-room schoolhouse experience. But then I graduated from Santa Clara. Wait, you haven't given me a chance to make fun of that. Sorry, sorry, yeah. (laughs) That's how it works. (laughs) Okay. You give me a little reel, and then I, you know, dump some sad on it. So I went to a one-room schoolhouse. Were you bullied when you went from the 30 to the 3,000? So hard. Oh, really? Really? I'm sorry. I was really thin, very, very skinny. I also was too young. Like, I skipped a grade. So I graduated sixth grade at 11 Mm -hmm. years old instead of 12 or 13. So I was... Actually, 11 years old, almost 12, in in seventh grade. Wow. I cried every day, and I called my mommy to have lunch with me. Oh, that's weird. And everybody else is, like, wearing guest jeans and d- giving yeah. guys blowjobs and shit. And I was like, I've never, I've barely Worn hung out jeans? with boys. Yeah, so I, I thought that's how you, because uh, when girls, you know, get into that, that sad world, it's like cutting this, uh, what you call it, uh, eating yeah. disorders, and then uh, you know, just blowjobs. So <laughs> that's weird. That was before like soccer and all that, all that yeah. stuff. You know, life empowering stuff. Yeah, <laughs> I got into I got into the um, one of those three things, but not I don't know soccer. Like, no, I, I think I think the eating disorder thing probably late in high school or something like that. But I I just was not socialized well. I remember kids being like also making fun of my voice. And um, and I would hold my mom's hand and walk around this high school. And my mom was like, are you sure you really want me to come to lunch with you again? And I was like, yes. She would have lunch with really? you in the high yeah, school? Yeah, because I was crying and I was Whoa. calling oh, her. And all these kids were like waiting behind me at the payphone, And they're like, oh, are you going to call your mommy again? Wow. And I was like, mom, please come. They're so mean. <laughs> would the other 30 kids from the one room classroom, like did the rest of the cult go to that high school? You know what? Half of them did, and they just did just fine. Oh, really? You were the only one that didn't? Yeah, I was in my own world, man. I was, like, talking to fairies and dogs and cats, and, like, I didn't have a lot of friends. I was really a, well, not a weird kid. Well, you didn't have a lot of toys, I think. <laughs> that was a, Your parents, <laughs> like, parents were hippies. My parents were smoking so, pot, yeah. Yeah, like, they were too uh, high to go out and buy you, like, a nice Barbie or something. You know what it is? I didn't have a sister till I was seven, so I was really alone. This is oh, know. this is sad. <laughs> yeah. this is, I didn't know that you come from such a sad world. It was I don't know. I didn't think it was sad till I got to the school, and I was like, oh, I haven't had any time to get cool or know what cool even is. So then I cried for three months at this new school, transferred to a different, smaller school, and then like the class size there was like twenty kids instead of massive, uh-huh. and I did much better there. Oh, cool! So then, so it took it was like a hard three months, but then you adjusted. Yeah, and it was one of those things where I don't know how I would deal with that if I was a parent. If my kid was crying every day, going, "Please let me transfer to this other school, please," because they were like, "Just give it." Give it some time. Yeah. Well, you know, all I can say is if you really do like small crowds, you should have went to school in my career. I've <laughs> 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 been waiting, Phil, for now, like two, How's two runs. Going? <laughs> my career? Yeah. Oh, you got, it, it's basically, really it's over. It's over. Uh, no, I, I honestly am semi-retired, so I tip it over to Phil. Yeah, he's the new uh, Batman. <laughs> you're doing a show. You, of course, I, you're doing great now. I'm not. I feel like it's you remember. Really- I you remember you called me out of the blue and I said I just downloaded your thing. That was not like just to say it. I really had just downloaded one of your tunes. You had? Yeah. Didn't? Do you remember this call? Yeah, the text. It wasn't a call. All right. Well, don't try and like <laughs> dodge that you didn't get the call. No wonder you had I'm no friends saying, with like, your with your guy, anal uh, thinking. If a guy calls me, it's like a really big deal. It's like oh, my, shut up. It's, it's That's like so, foreplay. If a guy, if you so, when does the phone ever ring? It never rings. So I don't understand. So you went from like a like your music is your passion, right? 
and you're you're successful at it, and now you have a podcast. So, what's next? Are you going to work the door at a comedy club? Are you working your <laughs> way down, actually, down through show business? I was actually thinking, like, maybe Stand Up New York Labs would hire me, and then I was like, to do what? And it's, what? <laughs> what a step down. No offense, guys. No, no offense, offense at all. Wow. Say it. No, no. Say it. But I just no. I mean, from uh, Jesus turned into a roast. When you're I like think, hoping there's an opening on the street team. I was just thinking of how I I like op- I opened for like this big band at the Warfield once, and that was my my best day of my career was like I was on Carson Daly and and I had opened at the Warfield and it was a sold out show at the Warfield not Warfield the Wiltern in LA and I was like this is the greatest day of my life it's the greatest day when of my that? career but I want to be working at stand up mm. New York labs I'm not kidding what do you want to do here just produce podcasts because this is fun was that, this, that, wait was this recent the, the that show? was like four years ago all right Who's your publicist? No one? No one. No <laughs> we got to get you out there more. Do you want to get out there more or no? Yeah, I, I do. I'm making this record, and once it's done, okay, I'll hire ahead. a publicist. Good. But yeah, this part is the shitty part. I don't know how it goes for you guys. I told you my career's over. I really just do it for the uh, the love of the game, basically, now. And the wait staff. I do it for them. If I can get them laughing, I feel like that's a double win for me. Did you ever know Dana Gibson? Of a yes. Cobbs comedy yes. Club. Is that how we know each other? I know I know you from San Francisco. We were both on that movie, right. and Dana was the waitress at the Punchline. Did was she any part of that movie? Because she was. Uh, I'm sure she was. She What's was a waitress movie? at Cobb's Comedy Club. Oh, was she at the Punchline too? Maybe. Um, no, she. Dana's like this. Oh no, you're right. She worked at the old Cobbs before yeah, the fire. Yeah, she had the best laugh, which is all you can ask for from a waitress, right? Aside from remembering your order, but she had the best laugh, and she would laugh at all of Dave's jokes. And I remember she was like, "You got to see this guy, Dave Attell." She and what got, about what about Tom Rhodes? That's so funny. Yeah. The best. She introduced me to him. She introduced me to. I'm trying to think of all the San Greg Francisco Proops. guys. Yeah, these are all the San Greg Francisco Barrent guys. Greg would play up there all the time. Um, Patton Oswalt. Yes. Uh, man. She it's just not like that now. I was whole... just in San Francisco. What's it? Yeah, it's so wild. It's kind of bleak, or... you know. I mean, like the people who like uh, originally started working at the clubs, like a lot of them run the club, so it's cool. So they still love comedy, but you know the crowds have changed. It's very PC in um, in San Francisco, and you know everybody there. Everybody there either like they want to move to LA or they just got back from LA and they never want to go again. Like it's one of those kind of situations, you know. The comedians or the audience? I, I think it's the comedians. The audience, I think. <laughs> Uh, they just, just got back from San Marin and <laughs> <laughs> they're techies. They're IT guys <laughs> waiting on the next um, TED convention. Dave, I wanted to ask you if you, why do you, because I've heard and I've heard people comment on it that audiences are more PC now than ever, right? Yeah, you, you should s- love that. Your act is, you're fine, dude. I know, but what, what in, you have a couple of hex and dorns in there, but we can get that out. <laughs> <laughs> no, but what, why do you think that is? <laughs> well, because uh, we uh, basically, uh, I don't know. I, I, you know, I say they're more PC, but for like the young kids listening right now, this is just the audience that they're that that's who they are. They were raised this way. It's not their fault. They've been raised like to, uh, I guess, be very hyper aware of language and that language hurts and that people have feelings and stuff like that. My generation was more of the, uh, you know, like, you know, suck it up, move on kind of kind of people. And, you know, we're all damaged uh, through, you know, drugs and alcohol and all that kind of stuff. So I assume this this group, uh, you know, also I think they have like way more confidence, whether it's earned or not. They seem to be very, uh, they like themselves more, you know, and uh, they've been told to empower themselves or mm. they've been brought up to feel that they're relevant and important and, um, you know, awesome. Whereas the rest of us were kind of like, you know, you got to earn it, you know, you got to blah, blah. And even then, like, you know, you really did feel like nothing. So I think that that's the the overall schema. But it really goes back to language and how language hurts and that everybody has a voice and blah, blah, blah. It's boring. If what you do you me. think of like, okay, like on the last podcast, we had a guest and she was saying slut a lot. And while she was saying it, I was thinking my sister who listens to the podcast is vehemently opposed to the use of this word. And I used it once with her casually in a text, and she was like, never say that to me again. Yeah. Please stop using that word. And I was like, I'm kidding. I'm not a slut. Like, I'm kidding. And, right. And, and so we've had this conversation a couple times on the show, and as you're talking, I'm thinking, yeah, I miss the good old days when you could, like, say whatever the fuck you wanted. And it was like, it's not so, people aren't so prickly or, like, easy well i i think the You're real thing taking is women down with this term right i think the real the real thing the real tell if you will is uh are we better people now than we were 10 15 years ago evidently not because uh all the problems that we had 
all that, that time ago, before the PC um, thing, before the web, we still have now, like you see with the, you know, racial stuff, uh, you know, terror, all the, all these different things are, are uh, rampant and they're out there. And, uh, you know, pe people are just, um, I guess, sneakier. I don't know what to say. I, I, I think that like your, your friend, your sister saying that, mm -hmm. that, that, that's great because, uh, you know, I would have said that that was a safe word, slut, mm -hmm. you know? So it, at the end of the day, we're all going to be speaking some kind of like, Pigeon Victorian speech, <laughs> some kind of weird downtown Abbey-esque language. Uh, is that language. something you say on stage consciously knowing on, in San Francisco this word's not going to go over well? That's really weird because my crowd, I would say they're kind of like this. Um, Phil, you've never worked with me on the road, right? No. My crowd, my, my, my road crowd is different than the seller crowd. They're, uh, they get it. They enjoy i'd say they almost kind of revel in the fact that it's politically incorrect mm -hmm. they drink hard they tip hard and 99 percent of them really enjoy the experience you know i'm not going to say like every time it's like you know uh, a magic show or something like that but i would say that i'm, I'm very lucky and anybody who kind of opens or works on the show goes like wow your crowd really does like it a little raw and i think there's only a few comics now that really have developed that crowd and that's kind of like we brought them along uh -huh. you know and uh you know, I, I don't know what to tell like this, the next group of people, because when you think that like, OK, we hit the level of political correctness, you can't go any further. It will. You know, it just will. It really it really will not stop. You know, someone can always be offended. That's what it is. Is there ever a wave where it goes back to being a little more lax as a reaction to this? Let's start uptightness? it right now, right here okay, do let's it do on it. this day. Let's no, but say I, slut. I'll say it. slut. <laughs> slut, everybody. Heck. It feels good. I mean, I don't think it, I don't think it'll go back. I don't. To me, it's the spirit. I don't know. I was an English major, so I like language. Mm -hmm. It's the spirit behind the word, and I and I know my sister would agree with that too. She's not like. Completely I just think it's weird to come to a show, like say at the say, to come to a show and to see a comic and then be like really like nit nitpicky about what words they're gonna use. Like it's not. I don't know. It just seems weird. How yeah. In a time, especially now, like porns, everyone, you know, everyone's watching porn. There's like, we were just talking about Tinder. There's all these different things that like culturally are happening that you think people would be a little more relaxed. Well, I, I agree with that. But I would say that, you know, from my own background, I was raised kind of verbally abusive home. So like all that stuff almost almost like makes me feel better when I hear like negativity and things like that. And I would say for these for the young crowd, like even like if you're not even using um, if you're not even using if you're not even using bad language, but you're talking of a negative thing, and if it doesn't, if it's not self-deprecating, they get like offended. They're, they're like, yeah. "Oh, something, something bad is happening," and it, and it really does. It really just show you that like they have this kind of hive mentality of like you know what is correct, what isn't correct, what is a positive experience, what is a negative experience, yeah. and that's it. Because the crowd was never like that, you know. And uh, now now they really are. They really are like super smart, super um, easily easy to insult but i think they're also you know i hate to say it they're kind of easily tricked because i see a lot of guys up there who are more performance than substance and they seem to dig it you yeah, know and it's yeah, like yeah. i've heard versions of that joke or i've seen a guy like that and, yeah you know i'm not saying that i'm super original but i would say that like you know for this crowd that has like so much access to so much material like for them to go for the same like i guess you could say the modern day version of the clapper joke you know yeah, yeah. it's weird and yeah. i think you and i both have that same thing of like i don't respect these people for that you know? yeah i know completely and What's uh the clapper joke the clap, you remember, oh, you're probably too young. I don't know if you have, did you have lights in your clap hippie on, house? <laughs> in, your, in that teepee you grew up in, did you have the uh, white man's uh, fire? <laughs> a couple bulbs, yeah. What, what did you guys do? You just like huddled around like a poem? We actually, <laughs> yeah, we actually did have a fireplace so we would huddle around it. That is so opposite my Long Island suburban experience. Didn't like, you grow up next to? Like we probably saw people like you, but we thought we, you were like gardeners. Like you came to cut something. <laughs> like who are these people? They smell like grass, weird. <laughs> they were like educated intellectual hippies sort of but they're still so weird i went back there for thanksgiving and was just like you guys live like this like still yeah i mean like i don't want to hurt their feelings because i know my mom listens which is horrifying but like you know the house is so cold it's a big house and i'm like turn on the fucking heat are you guys freezing it, it's like really cold up in the mountains oh no we're saving gas like we're saving money they don't have to save money oh that's like they, they're like hippies on a budget that's even sadder a, than anything we had a huge thanksgiving party with all these friends that came up from la like two of whom live in beverly hills in this really nice house and i was trying not to think about that 
I was just like, okay, it's fine. And my parents' house is adorable, but it's like charming. It's like a San Francisco house, like the big porch. It's like sort of falling apart. It's very rustic. It's in the mountains in the sticks. And there's just like lawn furniture that's got like charcoal crap all over it. And and I was just like, guys, like, you need help. When is it time for me to hire? Yeah, you should jump in now (laughs) and be like, um, Mm -hmm. because that's the beauty of like, I'm older than you guys. Like at some point, you know, you become like the parent or whatever, you know, like I financially take care of my mother and all that kind of stuff and How no, old she's is great she? she's gonna be uh 45 <laughs> no, no she's gonna be seven, uh 80 at some point and she's great she still works and everything like that and i'm telling you as long as your parents can still work and like have like this thing mm-hmm. then you know they're fine they yeah. really need to do that so if that's i don't know what your dad does does he have a job he's or? retired but he's he's got like his two bands that he's in he oh, plays trumpet when he gets down to only one band then <laughs> watch I step in so, so you're musically like you were raised in it that's that's kind cool. of but like my sister was always the one that was playing bass and or doing things effectively i didn't do that's the sexiest by the way a woman who plays bass. I find yeah, it is. very sexy. Yeah. She has these great long fingers. She doesn't play anymore, but I started really late in college, and they were always like, you know, I'm a singer now, and I play guitar, and growing up, it was always like, you should never sing or do anything with your voice, because really? sort of like high-pitched and really? nasally, and I couldn't get, like, I would take piano lessons for three weeks and quit, clarinet, wow. flute. So then when I started to play music, sort of at the behest of a boyfriend, yeah. everybody in the family was like, you like are you sure do you know what you're doing but yeah it's kind of in my blood i guess well that gives a lot of hope to untalented people out there (laughs) (laughs) i kind of blundered into it what about you i mean do you you must come from a funny family not at all we were like we were jewish funny but uh, my sister i thought was my mom's the funniest my dad was pretty funny he's no longer with us and my sister i think is pretty funny my brother's pretty just straight up you know uh guys you know but I would say What does that, that mean? What do they do? Uh, they have regular jobs. My brother, one of them's a pilot, and the other one's uh, works. Uh, he owns. Uh, well, he runs a factory. So a, a pilot of like real. Yeah, an air, airline pilot. Do you ever have you ever flown with him? Yeah, years ago when I was a boy. What airline does he fly with? Um, I don't really know. It's like uh, there's a million little airlines. What do they that? think of your comedy? Uh, I could really give a shit what anybody thinks about it. Can I curse on this show? Yeah. Yes. Oh, I could give a shit what anybody thinks of my comedy at this point. Right. But I mean, do they? are they like, my brother, how do they talk about you? Um, I hope they talk about me as the guy who pays all the bills for my mom. <laughs> <laughs> I am Long Island about it. I hate to be shallow, but every the funniest guy is the guy who can buy his mom a uh, house or a car. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's like very NBA when it gets to that level. Phil, I assume... Yeah, they, I can they, buy him lunch at the uh, moment. That's great. <laughs> Get my mom a soup and a sandwich. You know, I'm going to, I remember. At Tim Hortons. Yeah. That's the problem. If your parents are super successful, they kind of throw their own idea of success on you. Oh, you right. Know? Yeah. Since my parents were just workers, they're kind of like, are you working? And I'm like, yeah, I'm working a lot. You know, and they're like, oh, that's good. Yeah, you know? no, my parents are, uh, no, I, I would love to be, to, to buy them stuff. You will, though. You will I hope so. Day. But they're, they're super, uh, yeah, though, they're really, my, like, my dad's like, I'll be home. And my dad will be watching clips, like comedy clips on YouTube. He's like a huge comedy fan. Does he give you ideas for your routine? <laughs> uh, yeah. No, there was one joke he reworded. I was like, Dad, this joke keeps bombing. And he like fixed it. He was he like, did? we should wow. do this. Yeah, man. You took a joke from your dad? How weak is that? <laughs> no, he just fixed the wording of it. He fixed the wording of it. Right. I never know when that's allowed or not. What? Like sometimes when Nick, you know, it's been so long since Nikki's lived with me. I yeah. miss her so. But once in a while, that's kind of fun to be around when she's like, ah, why is this not working? Yeah. Have yeah. you fixed one of her jokes? I don't think so. But there was one time maybe she was like, you gave me that word. Yeah. It's for, for someone, you know, for someone in music that's totally an admirer of what you guys do. That was fun. Yeah. that You, you really live in the, in the, uh, this is what I like about uh, what you do and what uh, the musicians do, which is like, you know, like it, it, you touch the heart and also like, uh, I don't know if you think about it this way, which is like in music, you can go immediately from the past to the future, to the present and back and forth and all that kind of stuff oh. with your storytelling. Whereas with comedy, it's always like you're you're here, you know, you're in yeah. the, you know, this happened to me or this is happening to me right now or the future. And you can't move it like you guys do. And I always think about That's that, like really in lyrics. Cool. I never thought about that. You know, like the uh, whatever the, uh, you know, uh, what is it? What's the music again with the, uh, you know, the, the through line? What is it called again? Coke? 
No, what, what is it called? <laughs> no, you know what I'm talking about. Like uh, the, the uh, theme. The th no, no, you know, like the chorus. The, the chorus. You like yeah. the chorus, like you know, like that, like you can't do that, like That's in true. comedy where you, you know, like you know, you, you start blathering, blathering, blathering. It's like gym membership expensive. Yeah. Gym, you know, you can't yeah. like keep hammering the uh, the That's overall so idea. True. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can yeah. have callbacks though. Which is like sort the of tag. like a chorus. Chris Rock sometimes right. kind of has a chorus where he will he'll have the theme of the joke and he'll repeat it. Right, that's a that's a technique. That's a, a focusing cool. technique. Uh, I like that. Yeah, that's his thing. He's the only guy I've ever seen do that. Um, Did you see Top Five? I didn't see it yet. No, I saw it. It was so I really loved it. Lynn yeah. Coplitz got this huge laugh in the theater. Great, I saw it and she got <laughs> a big yeah. She got a big pop. That's really good. That is great. Yeah, I know just the way you said. I it. love. I love like you know. <laughs> so Lynn is Lynn and is Artie. definitely do. Artie, and Artie, Artie uh, Fuqua. Oh, that's great. Yeah, he's really funny. Yeah, it? he was great in it. You make me think about something that is an asset to being a musician, Dave. Where that I feel like I need to hold on to, like um, the fact that I can always say, this is not autobiographical, this is fictional. I'm telling a story. This is not based in truth. Composite. Right. And th the annoying thing is that th that started happening. First, it was my parents, my mom specifically, will listen to my songs and then write me these long emails, analyzing them and then worrying about Really? Me. Yeah, like I listened to this song of yours and I'm really concerned and I'm like, fuck. It's just a song. It's so sweet that she cares about it's. It's such a composite of so many different things. And then after the last couple podcasts, I noticed that people were posting stuff on my Instagram. Like I, I wrote a song. Sometimes I do this thing where I, I play a little bit of a song and I'll post it on Instagram. Like here's a new song idea. And I write a song a week because I'm in the songwriting club. So if you write a song a week, they can't all be autobiographical. So then I posted something and then somebody was like, wrote something about my personal life because they listened to this podcast. Oh, really? So it made me want to never discuss my personal life. It made me think like, yeah, that's why musicians have to be sort of removed and mysterious so that the art can be separated from the person. Yeah, but, I agree with that. Uh, but then I, I can't do that. I, I, I also think that getting people on the web to write your songs for you is like, <laughs> I don't <laughs> That's what I took away from that yeah, one. That's what I got. Forming it out. Um, no, but I think that's, that's so true that uh, it doesn't, doesn't necessarily have to be your story, but it has to be a good story. And that yeah. I think uh, we're uh, in comedy. We have a lot of uh, good storytellers. Then we have a lot of people just telling stories, which, uh, you know, I, I talk to my mom a lot. And like, I think my mom could hold her own with some of these storytellers. She doesn't leave out any detail. She sees the funny and bringing the shopping cart back to the supermarket. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, like <laughs> these are basically the same stories, but, you know, they're a little hyper because my mom doesn't you know, obsess about Wi-Fi or something. Like, I, I, I really do see a lot of that in uh, today's storytelling. But, you know, I'm an old hack, and I do uh, dick jokes. So, you know, I, I don't think that I'm really a good judge of, like, what is particularly funny to people now. But uh, I do know, like, I like a hard joke. I think, Phil, we always talk about this, like, hard jokes. Yeah. And how hard they are to come up with. And then, like, you know, then there's the obsessive checking. Now, with music, it's even harder to check a, a tune. Like, people always, like, you know, like that whole thing of, like, uh, you know, I'm not even like my mu musicality is not that good, but like, you know, like uh, the, the blurred lines guy, like, did he steal the thing and all that kind of stuff. Right. But like, just think about like all the like lyrics, like especially from like the heydays, like the 60s and like the 50s with like all that, like everything. my man and everything. It's like there's so much of that stuff, like even though it's it's different now. But do you ever feel like I wonder if somebody like already like wrote that kind I've of never lyric? That. Yeah. Every song I ever so wrote. How do, you, how do you check that? Like, I do don't. You check it? I just I just write it. But there Your mom was, does. There was this one song I was working on for eight months and I was like, I'm finally going to finish this song. And then I. I was somehow surfing around YouTube and listened to Lita Ford, something, whatever. And I was like, that's the song I've been, I was working on the song that went, I, I mumbled that now, na, 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 Saturday night. It was exactly the Lita Ford oh song. Oh my goodness. So I, thank God I figured that out. Yeah. I would have written, yeah. oh. rewritten the Lita Ford song. Yeah, I've had <laughs> that where you have a joke that's similar to someone else's and someone tells you before you do it on TV or something like that. Yes, yeah, that's, thank the, God that's great. someone told me. Oh my because God. it would just be the worst. Or I've had things, I've been putting together a set and then I'll watch someone's late night set and they will do a joke that's like just like the joke that I was, very similar to the joke that I was gonna do. It's really scary when that happens. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's it, it sucks when you have a joke that's working and you gotta drop it, but yeah. it's like, thank God I never did, you know. Right, yeah, yeah, it's really hard to let go once you got something that's working or yeah. something you really like. 
But um, I, I, I fight that every day, basically. And when I listen to my tapes, I know there's just going to be a million things that are working that I'm like, that's been done. Or like, you know, I was riffing and like, that's got to be like somebody else's joke. I'll even say it while I'm doing it. I was like, I wonder if Mike does that or Tom, you know, like one yeah, of the guys yeah. who like I just worked with. You yeah. Know? So that, that like forces me to check it. It like ruins the tape. You know, do, do you have is there some do you have a go to guy that if you th 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 that you just respect as like a catalog of jokes that you can go and be like, have you heard this bit before? Um, I Well, I guess the funny answer would be um no uh no I, I, everybody everybody is so like self obsessed with their stuff that like it's really hard like to get the guy who like knows all the material but uh, -huh. uh that would be, I, I always said that we should do like a, a website called joke check where you put it up there for like a certain amount of time like 48 hours and then everybody would weigh in on it yeah, and yeah. Then by the end of it it would just turn into like any other web thing It'd of just like racial chaos. and you know attacks <laughs> yeah. and stuff like that but uh, uh, that would really like clear like, woo, oh good. Yeah. It's not oh. my joke and I don't want to do it anymore, but you know. Yeah. Conversely, I have a friend, Mike Halloran in San Diego, who's constantly telling me that my songs are all rip, or that any song is a rip off of this old song from the 60s, or that's a, a Clash song. And I'm like, dude, it's so not. Like he tells me this one song I wrote is a direct rip off of the Jayhawks, and you know it. I'm like, I the never Jayhawks. listened to the Jayhawks. Yeah. Wow, I think I went to college with them, yeah. you, honestly. <laughs> But let me ask you that because, like, uh, I I started downloading all that, um, you know, like once you start downloading, you can't stop. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm talking about legal downloading, guys. Uh, you know, iTunes and whatnot. And like, I went through all of those groups that, like, uh, like for some reason everybody would talk about, like the Tegans and Sarahs and uh -huh. all those different people, yeah. and just to find out like what those guys are doing. And then I went all the way back to the <laughs> '60s people. And here's the good thing about the '60s guys, or like, uh, you know, like the pop star people, they were just singing like overtly about getting high but it was about like a, a, a sunny day a rainy day it's a cloudy day yeah and that was all like code for like you know their emotional thing or maybe some kind of campus protest or vietnam <laughs> yeah. but they really it was like there was no girl in the song there was no like missing it was just like walking down the street it's a sunny day so i assume the guy was high he was on acid yeah, yeah you know? velvet underground here comes the sun right like that kind of stuff so you know i would just say that uh you know that's what you guys should get to who knows the sun? Know no, that's going to drive me nuts. Keep talking about the sun. Isn't it Who he, Knows the Sun? Like Sweet Pea. Do you know that sun? tune by that guy Tom Rowe, I believe is something no. like that. No. That one is like, um, he has this weird, like, he almost looks like he's from um, like a hockey player in the 70s. Oh, okay, and He's cool. got like a weird mullet, like big shaggy hair. Yeah. And I guess he was like a teen pop star or something like that. It's like, oh, Sweet Pea, come on, let's and play with me. Uh -huh. And like, I was like, this is like a song you could, you could sing to like a little girl, you know? Like whatever, like little girls could sing this song or something, or a, a dad with his daughter in the bath. But as long as they're not in there at the same time, <laughs> you know, it was like weird because I. Who I was, loves the sun? Who? Oh, that's oh. George Harrison. No, Isn't it's it? Velvet Underground. I know it sounds like him. Oh, here comes. Who loves the sun? Who lo I thought. Who loves the sun and loves it. it made, made. Oh, fuck you. And guys. that's code for what heroin? <laughs> Probably. The okay. smack song. <laughs> then it goes into here comes the man or waiting for the man. Waiting mm. for the man is waiting for your drug dealer. Yeah, that's that. like Lou Reed's whole thing about yeah. Lower East Side and drugs. What do you? What are the last? And leather coats, buying a leather coat. Yeah, <laughs> that's all I Who know. Who tells guy. that joke at the cellar about running into Lou Reed? But it, or they bumped into a transve transvestite <laughs> in the park. Oh, who, I know. I've heard that. <laughs> is joke it Gabe before. Liedman tells that joke, and then someone's like, "That's Lou Reed, <laughs> like not, <laughs> not a transvestite." I think it's Gabe Liedman. Do you guys feel like you missed out on like a great time of living in New York? Because I feel like now, yes. I really feel sorry for the young kids in New York now because it really is super expensive. Yeah. You know, I had an apartment like on the Lower East Side for like $600, $400. And it was it was, it was was a dump. It was a shithole and everything. But I was living in New York City. Yeah. And before that, I was living in Brooklyn for like $400. So now all that stuff has been inflated to the point of like, like I couldn't even have had a good enough job. Like, I, you know, like I was working the door at, at the old improv. I never would have had a, like a good enough job to do that like even though during the day i was working too yeah to even afford to even be near new york and i feel bad for all the people who come here now yeah I really yeah do. new york shouldn't be like that it really it really makes it more of like a elitist place than it should be you know yeah but, it gets away from what makes it so only... cool in the first place right yeah and i think i haven't been out to brooklyn i did the knitting factory with uh jay big jay okerson i heard about who that. by the way is like you know jay uh is one of the most he's he is one of the uh, best guys uh, comedically. I mean, honestly, I've seen a lot of growth in him over the like since he started opening for me to now. Like, he's like power. I can't follow him. I mean, like, he's just that good. So. Wow, he's funny. I, br I brought him along. You know what I'm saying? He did it himself. <laughs> 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 brought him, uh, 
But uh, yeah, I was just gonna say I feel I feel bad for you guys because I know you moved here like when like two three, three years, years ago. Yeah, so, yeah. I know. moved here two years ago, but I feel like I have a decent rent. It's okay, but it is strange. Like I forget that it's weird to to be my age and have a roommate in any other city. But in New York, it's like yeah, of course you have a roommate. Uh, but, that's my true. but anywhere 75. else, it's like, oh, you have a roommate. <laughs> my roommate's 75, so I know. you have a long Yeah, I love this. Don't, I love that story, this is a great. Uh, this is a great You can thing. never leave her because you have to have this as part of your Don't act. make him feel that way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he, uh, I, I was going to say this is that like, uh, yeah, but you're all, you're, you both know what you want to do, but there was that whole thing of moving to New York where you're like, I don't know what I want to do. I want to be an actor. I want to do all these different things. And then you end up doing something else. Those days are kind of over, you know, where people move here and like, I'm just going to try a bunch of things. People come here and they get like whatever job they can to afford to live in this, in this place. And then they're kind of stuck there for like seven, eight years. You know, I feel that's, I feel like it's horrible. Is that what you did? You moved here just to try and make I it? never, I never wanted to be a comic. I got out of NYU and I was going to join the Navy or do something. I, I, I definitely wanted to travel. And I remember when I was 19, I went out to San Francisco and that was probably, I have a picture of me in one of the parks with like a hippie couple and a little blonde girl. And I bet you it's you, it has <laughs> yeah, to be yeah. you. Yeah, Cause it's like, this little girl's like, I cannot wait till they, you know, invent like an iPad. Cause this is boring <laughs> sitting in a park all day with my hippie parents. Naked parents. Nobody ever talks about the boredom of hippie life. No one ever talks about that. You should talk about it. I, now that I think about it, I enjoyed every moment of my, my idyllic weird childhood. I, I lived in my mind. You I did. had such a crazy imagination. I played in the dirt. I talked to animals. What did you dress up for Halloween as? Like a lawyer? I did that hate, frighten you guys? I hate Halloween <laughs> with a passion. Did you I dress up I, as a gas man come and turn the gas off? <laughs> oh, back then I was this fucking strawberry because my mom is Russian and she had her Russian friend sew me a strawberry outfit, which was the saddest thing it looked nothing like a strawberry and i was that like for four years in a row it was this ugly piece oh, of cloth God. oh really was, if you were my daughter i would have pulled you out of that right away <laughs> do you want to have children i definitely do and if you were my daughter i would have like bought you so many toys and stuff like that so you'd know i'd love you <laughs> and then you'd never see me that's the long islander in you <laughs> yeah i always feel like that's what you know like a nice bracelet will take the frown off the face <laughs> that's so a very long island thing what you you said you were thinking about the navy and then you went to san francisco how'd you end up in comedy you're clearly so naturally funny oh well you're talking about me mm -hmm. no i'm not that naturally funny i would say that it for me it was a process and that uh what i was good is like uh you know i'm, I'm really good with disappointment so uh you know a, a lot of these guys i see it a lot more now because they do come off of i guess success in something either their school or their webisodes or something that like they don't understand that it's kind of a long drawn out really really um really i, I don't even i don't even say it. like it, it really is so Every night you do comedy when you're first starting out in these open mics and everything, like you feel like running home and just like jumping out a window or something like that because, you know, like, you, I'm not going to talk for them. I'll just talk for myself. I sucked for so long that, like, I didn't even consider myself a comic till like, like almost like two weeks before I did Letterman. Like, I really was like, I don't know. You know, I do this at night. You know, it would be like if I was bowling because I had a real job. What was your real job? I worked um, at the research department for Discovery Channel. I sold, uh, I, I was temp. I sold magazines. I had like all these different jobs, but I had a real job for five years. Every day I had to be up wearing a tie and all that kind of stuff. Is this your passion? What, my real job? Comedy. No, I, I would say now I'm passionless, but I would say uh, uh, the one thing that I, I know if I had to give up doing would be, uh, the two hardest things would be smoking and comedy. That would be it. Yeah, Porn, I, I think I can give up now. I swear smoking was like the greatest boyfriend I ever had. I, I, I woke up and it was the first thought in my mind and it was like, the highest high yes, that I could think Yes, the best way of. to start a day. Yeah, and I just, I, I was with him all day long. It just, I didn't even smoke that many cigarettes, but I enjoyed every single one until the last throws. I love how you had to sex, sex up an evil habit. Smoking is now the man habit. I did. So what is gum, uh, the female? Is that what <laughs> maybe, it is? <laughs> maybe. It just, it was something I could not, it was so fucking hard to kick. Have you ever quit it? For like seven days, and that's it. That's yeah. Phil, you want to jump in on this? Uh, I never smoked. You I mean, never what, tried. What no. is what is your passion? I guess plaid. Uh, <laughs> Killing it on the dating scene. Uh, Sweaters. Yeah, no. I would, but Dave, I wanted to. I wanted to ask you. So, if, but you write more than everyone else, isn't that? Well, I think you have to be passionate to. It's not easy to sit. And, I'll take it to the point of douchebaggery. I think I think more than everyone else. All right, mother. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, but you come on. You Got a little urban towards new, the end there. You'll do more new stuff tonight than anyone else will. Do you? I'm write just more easily jokes? bored. I, I I just see every joke as like it's never really finished, and that you should keep throwing onto it. Yeah. But you know, I've had managers that go like you know uh, years ago. One of my managers, who was also at that time working with Dice, goes like, "Wow, you haven't really picked a voice yet, and like your materials all over the place." I like that, and that was like that's when I knew like you know I was smart enough to go like he doesn't really like that because it's okay. hard to sell like hey the guy might be angry one night one night he might be likable and one night you know the jokes will work and one night they won't. that's very hard to sell like you want like a finished product like uh the so guys saying you agreed with him oh uh, yeah i did agree with him but i i still i still find it doing doing the material like in the same order the same way that really does like create it, it's almost like um it's 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 like dust in your mind like it, it, like there's no need to change it because you know it works and then at some point it won't work and then you'll be like oh what happened but I, I i find that the most boring thing and i think that's also an insult to the stage time which when i was starting and i've said this on like a lot of podcasts which is like i worked at the word of the improv like towards the end of the comedy boom in the 80s this is the last like year or two of the 80s and uh the people who were still in new york were not necessarily the best comics there were some really good ones there was some i guess you could call them you know like just like whatever like 80 boom comics and uh they would go up there and pretty much you know do the same thing and get wasted and uh they would get some laughs they would hang in the bar and they would hit on chicks and that was every night they were waiting on a sitcom and i thought that was like huh. i said to myself uh kevin brennan worked the door with me i was like you know if i ever get stage time like this i'm not gonna waste it and it's true because like in this town we get a lot of stage time and if you're a guy who like I gotta, I can go on pretty much every night. Yeah, I, I try and take advantage of it, yeah. and I do throw sets. I'm not saying I don't, but I was saying that like that's the one thing that's cool about New York is that you get to go up much. And it used to be like that for music, and it's no longer like that at all. It's not. It used to be like you can come here and like jump from cafe to club. And I'm talking about the '60s, Dylan. I'm talking about like just like 10 years ago, yeah, 15 years ago. There used to be a lot more places to play, maybe in Brooklyn, but not in the city. I don't know what it's it was important like. to be in front of a live performance. It so is. Audience. I just played my first show in like six months or something the other day at Union Hall, and um, I just oh, that's right. I I motioned to you because I think I think I had told you about it. Yeah, you wanted me to open for yeah. you, and I was, I was like, that was that would have been the worst bill ever. <laughs> that would have been like Joan Baez and Hitler one night only. <laughs> it was so. I would have creeped out your what's your no, crowd my like? audience is cool. What you would have loved you. They're Phil's done cool. my show. They're yeah. Oh, good. Yeah, they're yeah, fine. but Phil is is the right move he's the right you don't move. understand yourself what i'll ask phil because he's more <laughs> normal about this who what is her crowd is it guys uh it's dudes that want to be with her right it's a couple the, of girls i'm sure there are guys that have a that have a crush on it's, you have a sexy it's voice 80 percent girls i think and really? there are there were and lots of are these guys of, who are kind of girlish weirdos. they're all weirdos they were cool though because i Great was weirdos i was uh yeah I, mean, I wanted it to go well and they they were very they were cool couple they were cool gated. audience couple gay gentlemen lots of misfits but that, I, I, they would have been i think they would have lost their minds if you they're had smart it. Yeah. they like this podcast they're the oh good but yeah you're well too, nikki who was on my show for me that's not true i would do it in, in a, if i'm if i'm in town i'll definitely do it i was i was just a little worried that like i know you know i was like i i know like i've opened for bands before but usually it's kind it's of like a metal fun. it can't be fun uh it's it's fine with me i i've bombed everywhere i might as well keep it going the only place i haven't bombed yet is on on a cruise ship but I have uh. bombed on the comedy uh, boat ride, so I assume that's as you know pretty pretty close. But I would say uh, for you, if that's your fan base, that's pretty cool. That like uh, you like them and that they get you, and that they're not they're not so young, but they're not also like you know old old. Are they? I mean, like what's the age thing there? They're There's like, no age. They're t between twenty five, sometimes like fifty, uh, but they're all around thirty ish now. I think. Wow. And they love the fact if Anya's like this is my friend, he's going to come and do. Comedy and to me that sounded. Then they were just on board. I think with anything because they yeah. knew that you know. Sam Morell did it the other night. Yeah, he I heard great. he had a great set. He was awesome. He didn't. He was like giving him tons of shit, which was great. But the reason I bring up my show is because um, you were saying how it's so important to be in front of an audience, and I was like, as I'm playing this show, I'm thinking, I have to do this more often, but it's such a drag because. There's so much preparation. Yes. It's such a loss financially. I have to pay the guitar player, the keyboard player, mm -hmm. this person, that person. You know, I have to pay for a car out there because I'm not lugging the fucking guitar and all my merch onto the subway. It's too much. Plus, I'm in high heels, so my feet are breaking. And, but, you know, I'm not like 21 anymore. So by the end of the night, I'm like, this broken woman with my feet in these high heels and this suitcase lugging it up my three story walk up, just like, Fuck, I know why I don't go from club to club to club 
Yeah, it's, it's just hard. Physically exhausting. But you earn the right where like you could get like your own like slipper room. Like the cool thing like Joan Rivers used to do is uh she used to have like her own night mm -hmm. like at the slipper room where she'd work on her own material and like she'd bring in her crowd and people come down. Lynn Lynn knows way bit more about this than me, but I was always like, That's really cool. And that's why like when I do the Comedy Underground live show. Yeah. Like uh I love that show. I, I definitely want to get you on this, Phil. Oh, I'd next love time to we do it. it. Probably in January. You should come down and sing a tune. I would love to. And I think it would be great. And I then we can banter on stage. Okay. Really good that. on your feet, and Thanks. you know that's the mo that's the most favorite part for me is like getting to like mix it up and see. I know. Where it last goes. time I went to your your show, you didn't do a set, and I was like, "What the fuck?" Like, I came here for Dave. I'm trying to be both Nichols and May. You guys can uh, figure out who that is. <laughs> 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 no, really, you're my favorite, and and oh, uh, thanks, you just I don't know Mine how too. you think so fast Thank on your you, feet. Sweetie. Is everything <laughs> is everything pre written? Do you write stuff, or do you really just think so fast? I'm jazz, honey. <laughs> I'm jazz bebop skiddly doop. Um, I'm I'm trying to keep it uh, you know fresh. That's really what it is. But you know the cool thing about it is that uh, you know once you once all these podcasts are good in a way, but they're also kind of like bad in a way because like the more you talk about comedy, the more it kind of takes the, the the fun of doing it. But it's so much fun talking to comics and the fans, you know, mm -hmm. of course, because there's these diehard fans. That's what I was gonna say for the music thing is like you know getting people to come see anything live is very difficult, but in New York, and like this was even before my time, like I think Fran Leibowitz, Fawn Le what's her name again? Fawn right. Leibowitz, Fran Leibowitz, Fran. Fran. She is so cool. She said that thing about like, you know, uh, you know, she's she's a, a lesbian. So she was saying like, you know, what happened to the great gay audiences? The great gay audiences of uh, that would come down and support these like, Oh, yeah. amazing shows that they would do like you know these crazy like you know not just drag shows but like you know theater and musicals like all that stuff that you would see in the 80s you know like uh, Rocky Horror like yeah. those kind of things those were all like a, basically workshopped in front of these really cool late night you know gay and straight crowds that were just party crowds you know yeah. that was the, that was kind of the where all that came from this kind of wild feral like movement in the city of like young artists and things like that i don't know if that's still out there i assume everybody now immediately goes from like wild feral to like where they have their own you know twitter and everything they become like more i guess you could say like normalized earlier yeah. you know because there's just but so many more media happen again You're i right. don't know if that's gonna happen and maybe it is and we just don't know about it maybe you know? i feel like something like that is happening in the village a little bit like here and there there's where? like a couple underground rooms at mamoons that place <laughs> here's what i would do <laughs> by the way a if you guys come place. to the city i agree with dave on this one i wouldn't wait online for that comedy seller show I, when i see these poor people waiting online in the rain like they're waiting for shoes in russia to go see this stupid comedy show i'm like i wouldn't wait online but i've wait i've waited drunk for one of those falafels for hours i love those Jesus falafels. Phil, off my moons is the falafel place beside the comedy seller yeah that place definitely there's going to be a new thing coming out of there. There's a new revolution. It comes with the side of hummus. Those guys can make a falafel so quickly, honestly. Have you ever seen them? Like, I'm talking to the guy, and yeah. I'm like, whoa, where did that come from? It's yeah. so good. He wasn't even, like, looking at his hands. Where did we go once for falafels? Uh, Taim? Yeah, that was also good. That was pretty good, too. Yeah, yeah I like I, I like falafel. Um, <laughs> All right, so, yeah, so where, where's this scene that you're talking about? I don't know. I think it's, uh, where where's La Pousse? Poussin Rouge. La Poussin Rouge. The Why Not Cafe. I think there's some places. I don't know La Poussin Rouge. Here's what I would totally consider Like doing. the red line in those places like where they do and the, they yeah, do they shows. Should have, I don't know though. Here's what's great about you guys. You can go do five sets a night if you want to and, and make some bread. I can't go like do 10 minutes at a club, sing two songs, leave with 40 bucks, do 10 minutes. You know, I can't do that. Don't you have a contract or something like that? I mean, don't you have like a record? Yeah, but no, I don't have a record contract anymore. I'm independent, so now I'm doing it all myself. Now it's all about like crowdfunding and putting out your record oh, yourself. Oh, this is weird. I hate it. We got to get you on like a talk soup or something, a talk stoop. Um, yeah, if you we, get sick of comedy, do you want to go into music management? It's I really, no. I told you, didn't I tell you this one time? I go, I wanted to get five redheaded chicks and call them the Fighting Sullivans and uh, have them go out there and just like, uh, do great like you know I hate men songs like and I think that would have been a great thing where they they go on stage and they just like just crazy hot redheaded chicks where'd you get the name I like it the fighting Sullivans is after uh, the five Sullivan boys who died in World War II alright oh my god maybe maybe if you're into lyrics you should hear about this thing called World War II it's pretty sad horrible right. breakup <laughs> horrible breakup
Yeah, it's hard to, um, you know, you don't like the Fighting Sullivans. I think it's a great one. I, I think said it's a I great love name. it. Oh, yeah, I yeah. said I love the name. Yeah, yeah no, it's it's. Uh, it would be cool to get like a, you know, like I like all girl bands too. Like, Me too. Haim, Tegan, and Sarah. Wait, Haim is the uh, Orthodox Jewish girls, right? Yeah. Okay, see, I'm not allowed to go see them, right? Because have you heard of the Secret Someones? I think you'd love them. Well, let's start with the Jews, because you know I am Jewish. So we I get think to see some, some Jews, Jews are in the Secret Someones. Are they really? Yeah, uh, they have this new video out that is so good, and they're hot, and they're just like. Well, then they're out of my league, aren't they? Young, like, uh, like you remember Hole? You remember that band? Yes, I do. I like how to crush on every chick in that band. Melissa Alfduma. She Which was, one was she? She was, was the redhead. Player. Oh, she yes. She could be in the four Sullivans. The five yes. Sullivans or the four? Fi uh, the fighting Sullivans. Fighting. Uh, five of them. <laughs> they have the thousand yard stare. Yeah. And uh, I, I will check them out. If you tell me the bands I should listen to, I'll. I'll so it's got You should do that on iTunes, like your your playlist. Okay. I'll These do are it. all the little things iTunes, that a publisher. Are you listening? San Francisco. <laughs> These are all like the little like things that a publicist will have you do to waste all your time. I would listen to you if you were my music manager and you were like, "Listen, you haven't found your voice yet." And I love that. I love that about you. No, I would say <laughs> I would say for you, like uh, you know, even though you've done oh, your yeah. touring, um, yeah. more touring. That's what I would say. Bring it to the people. But I will. That's exhausting. I will. It's exhausting. But I want to do it, and we will. Dave, this has been so much fun. I lost Dave, completely Whoa. track of time. Phil is late for therapy. He has to see his I'm analyst. Sorry, Phil. I have to go to my therapist. I but would sit here with you all day. Dave, what do you want to... Um, do Just, you have anything you want to plug? Well, I think by the time this airs, uh, Caroline's, I'll be there. So if you want to see a guy hack it up, I'll be there. David Tell yeah. will be at Caroline's the 26th, 27th, and 28th. That'll be a great 20th. show. And that's with a Christmas 26th, tradition. 26th, 27th, yes. and 28th. Right between sorry, Christmas and, uh, you know, the uh, wet sorry. spot between Christmas and New Year's. And I'll be there with Louis Katz, another Jew. Oh. So come on down and Follow Jew it up. him on Twitter. I'm going to come down and watch that show. That's gonna, that's a Christmas tradition, right? That's right. Oh, actually, I won't watch that show. I'm at, I'm at, <laughs> I would. No, I totally would. I did last year. I, I'm at the uh, Syracuse Funny Bone on the 20, December 26th to the 28th. Stop bragging. <laughs> and the uh, Ann Arbor Comedy Showcase, uh, January 22nd. My birthplace. To the 24th. Arbor. I was born in that comedy club. Uh, <laughs> you can follow Dave at Dave's Old Porn. Uh, that's one. That's one. We didn't even talk about that. I'd love to come back and we can talk about the porn stuff because I know you like a little, uh, you like the adult eroticism. I do. Yeah. You I, don't? Oh, you don't. I, no, she does. Oh, that's Nikki then. That's Nikki. She loves it. Okay, good. Yeah. For you, we'll talk about quilting or something like that. <laughs> Whaling. <laughs> I just love gentle cunnilingus. On <laughs> is that a band? Uh, yeah, that's our new that's one. That's a podcast name. Um, no, what is your Twitter handle? Well, who cares? Okay, who cares? Really? We who cares? love you guys. Um, we'll try. We might have a week off and over these holidays or wherever we are, but then we'll be back. So don't fret. We love you. And Give it up to the troops and their families, okay. guys. Thank you. We know nothing. We love you, though. Bye. Bye.